hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Hello and welcome to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife Could Do It Quicker, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm Tom Baker and I'm, and I'm here with... I'm slightly aroused, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, I'm Joe, hello. Hello, Joe. Um, hello, uh, it's actually Sai. I know that was a phenomenal uh, piece um, of... Um... You know what, I thought I was doing a commentary with John Coleshaw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so we're back for Nightmare of Eden Part 2 Salivating And oh, it's just a joy I love this story so much right, um, remember, But also You and I, just very quickly Do you remember you and I watched this together around my house didn't we? we did, we did, didn't we We watched the first couple of episodes As, as we were longing for a Chinese to turn up Yes, it was very late coming But very, very late. You worth the wait You had to woof it down and then run To get back home I did, mm-hmm um, anyway, um, I believe you have uh, something to tell us. I do. Well, yes. Well, um, as followers of Hamster will know, we, me and Joe have been talking about doing this story for a very long time. <laughs> so it was um, when I sent through my um, list of stories that we could do um, in the first place. This was one of the two choices that I I put forward to you wasn't it so this and the leisure hive and then we we chose the leisure hive because that's my my big fan story the story that that made me a doctor who fan forever but we always said we'd come back and do this one at some point so here we finally are um but um a friend of mine on twitter dr simon exton hello simon there's always simons hello, simon. there's lots of doctor who simons um, he be one of these well, he should do. He has his own podcast. He's on the Exton Moss um, Experiment, which is a, a phenomenal podcast. Really, really good. We should bring and him on. I've listened to a lot. I will tell him. I will mention this to him and ask him if he'd like to do one. I'm sure he would. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, and he sent me a few recollections because he saw this story when he was 10. So he's a slightly older than I was. So I was four when I saw this. And he said... Um, I remember watching this story on first transmission and absolutely loving it. Mm. It's a story I have the clearest memory of from that season. Oddly, the one I can remember nothing about is City of Death, which was one that was lodged in my head. So mm. just goes to show. So I was only 10. So the Vrax plot meant very little to me. But I loved the fused spaceship concept and the idea of dialing up an alien planet from your front room. So he said, Doctor Who was magical time for me as a kid. It's when I got to spend time with my grandmother mm. and I have egg on toast, which is still my comfort food, thanks to that association. Oh, cool. So he says, it's still one of my favourite comfort blanket Who stories and one I come back to all alone. He said, the Vrax plot is really modern and it stands up really well today. He said, the only real down point is Lala's maternity dress, <laughs> which I think we would all agree with. Um, I mean that's gorgeous. I love, I love. Uh, not only do you bring your own uh, nostalgic references, <laughs> now you're bringing other people's. Oh, it's one of my favourite things yeah, in the world, you know. Exactly. This is yeah. This, I, this is my my hamster modus operandi, isn't it? This is what I bring to the show. So it is a fact, you know, um, dear listeners at home, that I receive stats and demographics of the people that listen to this podcast, and there is a one line in the age bracket which is far more dramatic than all the others and that is the 30 to no hang on what is it 35 to 50 
one because I think there's a lot of people that are sort of our kind of age that yeah, definitely. Uh, are having lots of kind of nostalgia about um you know classic who that listen to hamster and 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 love all this stuff so basically you're like the perfect guest <laughs> yeah i'm right in the middle of that demographic really so but the other thing i want to say as well is that season 17 comes in for a lot of stick less so now but it did for a long time come in for a lot yeah, of it was yeah um it was the whipping boy of doctor who for a long time the whipping boy of <clears throat> low point of doctor who but well do you know what uh, yeah. <clears throat> A lot of that is, um, you know, geeky, gawky teenagers that um, are a bit embarrassed by a lot of what's happening in season 17. Or I happen to know somebody who was four years old watching this. Mm-hmm. And now I happen to know somebody who was 10 years old watching this, who absolutely fucking adored it. And absolutely. honestly, I think it's that age bracket we should be impressing and not these 18, 19 year old Chris Chibnall's on point. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of its reputation comes down to the reviews that this series got from the Doctor Who Appreciation Society at the time, where it wasn't the show that they'd grown up with, where, um, because Doctor Who sort of, so these are the fans who had been young sort of in the Pertwee era, which at that point uh, in 1980 was the pinnacle of Doctor Who because the fans who were sort of maturing had seen that as a child. So that was seen as how you do Doctor Who. So it's the army, it's serious, it's the Doctor is big and he's in control and he's unflappable and he's not funny, although Pertwee, as we know, was funny. Um, But he's taking it seriously and they um, forget there's always a thing that Doctor Who fans forget that actually you need to get the next generation up every so often you need to do something that will bring that next group of viewers up into Doctor Who and I, I've always thought I was really lucky to have this season as my first season mm-hmm. because it's the perfect jumping on place as a as a young lad really you've got tom at the height of his powers and as we we touched on last episode um the doctor uh tom baker's doctor is funny but he's serious at the right moments and i think you and daniel talked about this in destiny of the daleks where um what is generally portrayed as again a really silly performance tom brings it right down as soon as the daleks are mentioned he knows that this is a serious show this is a serious thing for the younger viewers and so he has to give it that gravitas because they are his arch enemies he's so good in that right a bit where those terrible extras that just can't be bothered to even die without laughing their heads off like he makes that scene dramatic because he's there going stop you know stop killing them like he's he's dramatic enough to make the terrible yeah. extra acting count you know? exactly and there's there's that that wonderful moment in part one where um the Mo- the Movellan leader says to him do you know the daleks and he he just takes his voice down like he does I and know. he just says better than you could possibly imagine yeah if it, no he knows exactly what he's doing this is a really well-judged performance and i think that follows through a lot of the season so He's obviously really funny, but as a four-year-old, I found that incredibly comforting because adults didn't behave like that. Mm. Adults were serious and 
and things. So to see an adult having fun like he's having here, I felt instantly reassured by him. I mean, I, I probably will skip into Nightmare Beaten episode two. <clears throat> There's just one more thing I want to I want to say about season seventeen as a whole, or uh, well, sixteen and seventeen, I would say. Yeah, and that is, um, it is very pacey, very witty, high concept science fiction. Yeah, yes. That just so happens to have a lot of fun, poke at the cliches, but is mm -hmm. having enormous amounts of fun taking the piss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, skip forward to the future, and you've got shows like Rick and Morty, you've got shows like Futurama, they're doing exactly yeah. the same thing. Pacey, high-concept science fiction that's taking the piss, pointing at the cliches and laughing at them. Like, this is prescient. This is groundbreaking. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And Graham Williams and his teams, I, you've got Douglas Adams working on Doctor Who. Exactly. Douglas Adams! Yeah you know who knows his science fiction inside out and knows what he's doing and yeah it's just i mean obviously we don't have the production value of futurama and uh, rick and morty no but, but it just goes to show this absolutely can work you know and yeah, I, I, I think that's why people from a modern audience will go back and watch the graham williams era and get intense enjoyment from it yeah absolutely because They've remembered that Doctor Who needs to be fun, but also needs to have some scares for the children. So there are there are lots of uh, lots of images in this season that stayed in my head after it. Like, like Scaroff pulling off his face at the end of part one of um, City of Death. That was absolutely terrifying as a four year old. Because then you're thinking, well, what other what other person could could be a big monster <laughs> underneath? I, mean, I think yeah, I have the I'm image of the Doctor and Romano at the end of this episode skipping into the CET. Skipping into the TV. Fantastic. Yeah. And, exactly. Um, uh, I like like the um the image of the mandrel later on being electrocuted and turning into the drugs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really memorable. These are yeah. high concept ideas that yes. they're treating in a fun way. Well, if people can skip back to the Grand Winners era and have a lot of fun, should we do that? Definitely. I'm certainly up for that. Then I will count us in then in okay. five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Oh, we're off for an adventure. We are. Now, this episode has a scene in it that I think is a little bit jarring. Okay. Um, and that's the sequence where, now I go wrong, I think they do need to show a character under the influence of Rax Owen. Um, and David Dacre plays the scene where he's begging Romana to give him more of the drug just yeah. a little bit too well. But he attacks her. He's physically violent. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, it's, it's a phenomenal scene. It really is. And David Dacre and Lala Ward are giving that everything. And again, this is another one of my my bugbears that people say uh, it's um that um tom and lala are not taking anything seriously but watch her she she is really brilliant she's brilliant any, all the time anyone on the planet say that lala lala was taking everything seriously in doctor Who. yeah she's essentially the fucking doctor this season yeah exactly she is doing all of those things that as again like we noted in in the leisure hive she is the doctor once the doctor is old and tom's just 
pootling around. She does all the things that the doctor would normally do. And she does that in Naimon, of course, so that Tom can have his weeks off yeah, just yeah. going around doing what he likes on the set. But <clears throat> yeah. um, can I can I um introduce a new hashtag to the realm? Obviously, we have hashtag mummy tits. Yep. From Pyramids of Mars. Well, now the mandrels, I think it should be hashtag fanny mouth. <laughs> <clears throat> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, they do look like big areas. <clears throat> they do. It's, yeah, it's um, another one of Doctor Who's monsters that we, we, we've just had in the previous story a huge, great phallus. So let's. And in the next story, we've got a pair of balls. Like exactly, so <laughs> we're all over the place this year. Someone in the design team was very horny this year. I'm telling you. Oh, balls! <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. And you know, and and obviously, in front of the camera, you've got two actors who are madly, passionately in love with each other at this point as well. And I think that makes all of Tom and Lala's scenes just an absolute joy because they've got such chemistry here. I reckon that's the only way they got through this. Do you know at the end of this story, right? Someone on a load of t-shirts printed up to say, thank God yes. the nightmare's over. <laughs> it was so terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I bet, I bet they had it off wearing those t-shirts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> I don't quite know how to... Could you imagine what this sophisticated technology of sticky back plastic on the walls does? Well, it looks great. I mean, it's nice and colourful. It reminds me of original Star Trek, kind of all primary colours and things. Yeah, it's very much like that, isn't it? It's all, yeah, big buttons, big clunk. Well, actually, they're not clunky buttons because there's no buttons on um, David Dacre's um, console. He's just got bits of plastic to touch. So it's all touchscreen stuff. So they're ahead of the curve there. Uh, what's that a drug sensor they've got going across that yeah i think so yeah the police nowadays could do one of those couldn't they mm -hmm. scan the town <laughs> mm -hmm. but david dacre david dacre is is really good isn't he oh, and, yeah and he, gets he, he played iron, iron gron sorry and he played iron gron in um the time warrior Mm. which is a really fruity and big performance and here he's he's very steady and taking it right down mm. he is a toad again, like who knows what a toad thinks <laughs> but again it's like um uh what's the name della he's giving a naturalistic performance against the bigger performances so it's all it is totally off yeah because then later on you get fisk and Waterguard. Who are absolutely from a sitcom, you know, yes. sitcom Doctor mm -hmm. Who um, security agents, mm -hmm. um, and you—it's this weird fusion of pantomimic and realistic performances. Yeah. So, um, yeah, talking of, of the water guards, um, as I mentioned, I think in a previous thing, um, I used to be involved with a huge um, range of fan audios for the Planet Scaro audios. Mm -hmm. Our very first story was called um, Echoes of the Proti, and it was nominally a sequel to Nightmare of Eden. Oh. So what we did, because me and my friend Sai <clears throat> um, absolutely adore this story, and we watched it lots of times together. We Sai wrote and Sai. a story. Yeah, Sai and Sai. That's us. 
Cy Hunt and Cy Hart, just to really confuse matters. Not to be confused with other Cy Hart on Twitter who gets really annoyed. No. I might at him. <laughs> I, I do not watch Doctor Who. Stop atting me and things. <laughs> but um, what we did, we wrote a story that was set on Giddy, which is one of the planets that is has the C on the CET machine. We made sure we mentioned every single planet that the CET machine has on its on its guide. And we brought back um, the two water guards from this story, Fisk and um, what's his face, the other one, whose name um, escapes me right now. And we just had great fun writing That's such that. A Spanish thing to do, you know that. Right? It is, and yeah, and there was a line because I I played a woman in that story called Vera, and there's a line where. Um, <laughs> She said, oh, I was just punging out my smalls on the washing line and some C some bugger with a CET came and snatched it all away. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to hear that now. Oh, good old Vera. Oh, I loved her. She was wonderful to play. Oh, my God, this line. 60%. I heard you. I heard you. <laughs> Tom Baker and Canine Rowan is one of the best things ever, mm -hmm. isn't it? I always um, forget. That um, I, as I mentioned before, Canine was really I absolutely loved Canine as a four-year-old. He my favourite thing in Doctor Who. I thought he was fantastic. But I always forget that actually David Brearley's Canine was the first one I heard, yeah. and I always think of it as John Leeson. But actually, it's the David Brearley one. Jack Shanahan, uh, my co-host of Nine on Be Praise, we have a secret love of David Brearley. Now we prefer John Leeson's, but we yeah. Because Jack does, he's got such a plummy voice. He does a fabulous version. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, David Greeley. I met David Greeley. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Mission aborted, mistress. <laughs> I met David Greeley once. He was lovely. He was a lovely man. He had great big sort of sideburns. He was. Uh, yeah. And he was just gorgeous. He was a lovely, lovely man. And he was sort of a bit bemused that anyone would want to meet him and have a photograph with him. But he, yeah, lovely guy. Oh, I'm so delighted that you're taking an interest in my CET machine. <laughs> and again, watching Tom here, he's playing it sort of mischievously against Tris because he knows there is this machine is is not not good. Did you? Did and you, he's always playing his lines with a smile against him. That was a great exchange. He said, I value your opinion, Doctor. And he said, well, I value my life and this machine makes me fear for it. This is great dialogue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh no! Now they're saying Douglas Adams technobabble. You can you can feel Douglas Adams uh, when they're talking yeah. about osmosis dampener and things like that. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. Same. I'm, I'm going to switch it off. <laughs> <laughs> um. So who was it that drugged the water just then? Was it Trist or was I think it... it was Trist? Oh, okay. But he's trying to drug Romana, wasn't he? Yes, that's it. Yeah, because she knows a bit too much about the machine. Got ya. Oh my god, here we go. My ship has eaten yours. <laughs> Russian <laughs> dolls, you remember them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He gets the best line in this whole thing, you know, when mm -hmm. the, the mandrels oh. have it, and he's like, who cares? They're only economy. They're only economy. <laughs> oh my god! You could just hear Bob Baker chuckling as he wrote that. That's such a brilliant line. It's terrific. Um, yeah, and like you know, this this could have been insanely over the top. Him 
being drugged. Yes. Imagine Graham Crowden playing this, you know. Well, exactly. Uh, well, you don't need to. Just skip forward to the no. story. Um, <laughs> but I, I just want to he's, he's itching his face. Like, like. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, his like, mannerisms like, change. Like skin, you know. Mm -hmm. But also, his body is far more floppy and uh, his movements are, are different. He's really thought about what he's doing here. But it is very unusual for Doctor Who to tackle something like this. Yeah, in what that what is generally seemed a fun and silly season. What other time has Doctor Who? Oh my god! I think we've done the only. We've already recorded a commentary for the only other Doctor Who story that did drugs. You know, we have Whitlock. Yeah, but I can't think of anything else that that touched on drugs running rampant like this no not really because it's not something generally the new series would touch right. like this i don't think because there's now so many more rules about what you can show at at particular times so i don't think they'd they'd be able to get away with it like like this so but then you know I what I, you know, when you get rules like that i think rusty davis just goes oh well i'm well, well, well yeah you know mm -hmm. <laughs> And um, um, Bob Baker, as we said, was someone who did a lot of research and him and Dave Martin had written an episode of a, sh a police show called Target, mm. um, which was about drug addiction and heroin addiction and had starred Katie Manning as a drug addict. Ah. And she says it's one of her best performances ever. It was directed by Douglas Canfield. Oh, oh God. We've got, the, we've got the stairs bit. Oh, oh the stairs. Can I turn the music up? Hang yeah. on. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> Does it go down again? It goes down again. Yeah, it goes. Again, they've obviously only got a tiny bit of staircase, but they shoot it really cleverly. If you're going to do that sort of thing, you shoot it fast like that, yeah? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like this bit, where he's walking through here. the same set. Where he goes, here, have a jelly baby, and don't forget to brush your teeth. Let's brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like how can anyone object to this it's no, exactly fun. and it's just just walking through the same bits it's just wonderful it's so hey, much fun look at that what's going on this is clearly the same people as well <laughs> yes oh my god i love it <laughs> it's oh, just... i love this more no there's no other. There's a whole planet rolling in the in the background. Of yeah, that that's the planet Azure. Mm -hmm. oh, you've been there, have you? Yeah, it's lovely. It's good oh, for a holiday. Oh, fabulous! Tell me, show me your snaps one day. <laughs> Maybe not. Hmm. Oh, Stott's got a massive. Uh, oh, he's been fighting off mandrills. That's why he's got all the yeah. on his face. Mm -hmm. But again, then you've got the mystery because you've seen him in the jungle in part one so how has he got out of there mm. what's going on yeah and every single um mystery is answered you know every yes. single i is dotted and t is crossed by the yes. end of this mm -hmm. and satisfactorily as well oh here we go <laughs> little ships and big ships <laughs> <laughs> but when he sort of says the russian dolls and then 
Romana just turns around and said, oh, I wonder if the people who created those realised they were making a primitive model of the universe. That's, that's a brilliant concept. What a great idea. And it's just a throwaway line. Line, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think he's in the mood to discuss philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> See, look, you know what? We've criticised Tris, but she's eminently quotable. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, would you like a Gabardine capsule, perhaps? Oh, definitely. <laughs> he says it, it, awaiting, awaiting my execution for dereliction of duty. Yeah. So, yeah, I, they, they obviously take space driving very seriously. <laughs> the doctor, the enigmatic almighty Mr. Fix-It. Mr. Fix-It. Mm -hmm. That's a good line. Man, this script is so good. Yeah. Bob Baker, we salute you. Damn right, sir. Bob Baker. Bob, Bob Baker. Bob. Oh, <laughs> my God. Can you help me? Bob Baker. Bob Baker. Script edited by Douglas Adams. Perfection. Damn right. Yeah. Look at that. Right. Here we go. We've got really weird, trippy special effects here to show that they're work walking through something which could be a really mundane thing. They could have done this with just lights and smoke but they make it into something different so the sound design there is really good although and the visual effects running on the spot there yeah but that's <laughs> fine it, it is it is and imagine like being four years old watching that yeah you like, don't see things that. like that on telly anywhere else this scene here between trist and um oh my god what's Rick? thank you this was excised from the vhs because I was remember, where, yeah, 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 there was, there, there was a, or there's one of these things between the two of them that wasn't on the VHS, because when I saw it on DVD, I'm like, well, what's this? Oh. Yeah. I don't remember that. Unless it was just my copy. Mm -hmm. In which case, it's now a collector's item and on eBay for £100 million. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh. See, look, this, this, look, adding this effect on makes that yeah. more dynamic, but also yeah. in a minute where we cut to the monster... It makes that yeah. Look at it. Look at Tom Baker's face. Oh my god! Mm -hmm. I think this is a story that keeps giving. It keeps giving good lines. It keeps giving good concepts. It keeps giving uh, good set pieces. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you've got that moment where the mandrel is coming out of the dark, and it's just its eyes glowing. And they look fantastic then. They're not quite so good when they walk out into the bright lights, but hey, you know. You know, I've got a onesie that's a bit like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the great big furry feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, then it's together. Mm -hmm. Do you think Bob Baker was a bit nervous to write this on his own? I, I do wonder. I think it's um sort of difficult to know, really, isn't it? Um, I think, and he's dealing with a high concept, so you've got to and the drug, so you've got to be really careful to sort of pitch it at the right in the right way for the audience. So, but yeah, I. I I don't know. I'm sure he's probably spoken about it. I should have looked that up before I came. 
you know what would have been a better twist if it had been Della behind it all? <laughs> no one would have seen that coming, would they? Like that old hoe bag Janet from Terror the Vervoids <laughs> behind that whole affair. I'm telling you, there's, a, there's an edited scene at the end where she murders the Commodore when they walk off together in the whole. Yeah. And she's like, Haha, just one more know. death. Yeah. I'll get transferred <laughs> to another ship and do it all again. <laughs> but I suppose you've just had a story with two female villains. So you don't want to really? over egg that, do you? So I love a female villain, though. I'm, I'm not sure you well, Yeah. And the Williams era is the pinnacle for the brilliant female villain, isn't it? The Sarah of Diplos. My favourite. Um, the way she purrs every line. <laughs> what's the woman's name? The nurse from Pirate Planet? The, yeah. Yeah. Queen Sanxia. Oh my God. I love And her. Lady Adrasta. Point the dog against the Point rock. Point the dog at the rock. <laughs> uh, even like Thea Ransom from Image of the Fender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. oh, that very sexy sounding computer from Underworld. Oh, she's and the one that you get in Sharda as well. Oh, yes. Dead men. Dead men not don't need oxygen. <laughs> We know Have I told you about my master, the doctor? Oh, he's done wonderful things to myself. <laughs> Release me! <laughs> oh, dear. He's hit the bottle. That's an unusual line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a very 70s line, I think. Oh. It's very much of its time. Look at Tom Baker. That don't sound like normal drunkenness to me well you'd know <laughs> yeah there's the king of drunkenness in doctor who by all accounts you know he's hanging out down pubs isn't he with like the low lives yeah he's down in soho yeah down yeah. in the real dive so you ever been to a dive in soho i've been to the coach and horses where tom used to drink so uh, me and my i'm talking about Si. oh i've been to some of the other dives as well <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, me and, me and a group of friends, did, um, DWM printed a few years back, more than a few bit years back, probably now, um, the Tom Baker um, uh, sort of pub trail. So you could go to all the places where he used to used to go drinking around Soho and stuff. And we, we followed that all the way around. And you're still with us. I'm impressed. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long day. <laughs> Would you have one drink per pub? Yep. <laughs> I'll have to try that one day. Like, I think it is worth noting because we have been exceptionally positive about this era that the monster designs are not at their well, not the design, sorry, the monster executions are not yes. at their finest. No, and this is, yeah, um, yeah, I think the mandrels and the Nymon are not. And the creature, not ex yeah, exactly. So, but again, with the Nymon, they were supposed; those heads were supposed to be helmets that they lifted off. Yeah. Um, and then they didn't have the money to realise that, so they became sort of just um, minor tools. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. which is a shame. So they're, they're, but again, it's the era of the high concept monster, isn't it? So you've got the yeah. really big blobby. <laughs> huge monster that's killing people but he's killing them by accident he doesn't want to kill them just because of his size you've got the mandrels here that are um that are revealed to, to be the drug that everyone is is taking and then you've got the nymon that was supposed to be pretending to be balls pulling off their heads wow. and 
and it's still high concept as well because the nylon who, who is pretending to be an individual and it's actually, yeah, a, it's a, actually a, a race yeah which i think is really good and in destiny and the daleks you've got the two robotic races caught in a logical empath which is high concept yeah. as well like i don't I, I don't think we should underestimate the smarts that douglas adams brought to season 17 no and then you've got an alien that's posing as a human as well, who can rip off his face and reveal his green blobbiness. Who is splintered through time. Another yeah. massive concept. What about Speaking of high concept. Hmm? What about Sharda? What's the high concept? Well, it's not really, oh, the Krogs. They're just <laughs> monsters, aren't they? Oh, I love that name, though. The Krogs. Krogs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of high concepts, we've got, I think, one of one of my favourite cliffhangers in Doctor Who where you don't see this coming. Look at this! They're jumping into the tilly! And what's fabulous is the sting comes in as they're running. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that I I was thinking of, I I was watching a bit of City of Death the other day, and Mm. I think that is Romana 2 the only companion that Tom holds hands with? Because he, no. he's not a big... he's No, because the Doctor holds hands with Joe Grant a fair amount. No, no, no. no I'm thinking of just Tom Baker. Oh. Because his Doctor yeah. doesn't doesn't do that with many people, does he? He certainly doesn't hold hands with um, Adric. Um, no. I don't remember him holding hands with Mary Tam. No. Or Sarah Jane. And certainly not with Leela. No, yeah, that's a good point. And so that sort of companion dynamic i know that's probably because of tom and lala being together maybe that they had that physical closeness but yeah it's just an interesting one to to ponder but also this is one of the rarest things as well i love these cliffhangers which is it's not a moment of jeopardy no it is the the story veering off in a new direction completely unexpectedly there's a couple of cliffhangers in this season um i think that's exactly what i should be asking you doctor is another one yeah. the doctor jumping down the pit is another yes. one that's not a moment of jeffy really that's that that's the no that's uh, the doctor's yeah working out something that no one else knows i'm heading down there to see what's going on you know yeah um and i i think now as a as an adult back in the day i used to like the the, the you know, Ace being surrounded by Daleks, and I used to. Mm-hmm. Love, those are all my favourite cliffhangers. Now I think it's like the 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 structural ones where the story yes. is. You know, Absolutely, I always think of um, part one of Carnival of Monsters, where suddenly the hand just appears and grabs the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. You think, where did that come from? What's that doing? How? And it, interestingly, these two obviously these two stories are Carnival of Monsters, Nightmare Eden, are yes. the same ideas, mm-hmm. but in very different ways. Yeah. 